Oh man, I had the word and it, it escaped me. What is the word? Uh, man, you know when you make somebody want something more? <laughs> oh man, I'm firing and I'll, 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 I'll send it. My brain blah, went blah, in the opposite blah, blah, direction, blah, 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 so now I can't unthink that. Yeah, nope. Um, <laughs> what is the word, man? D- it's desire, but that's not the word I want. Like, I, I want to increase desire. I want to increase desire in you about Centos. Everyone desires some pod man. Yeah. Um, hype. Like, hype it up. Mm-hmm. Ah, Centos hype, man. Hype. So, uh, a hot plate of hype. I yeah. can, we can serve up a hot plate of hype on Centos by starting this show out about Centos. Um, and then kind of. You just made the, the show title. A hot plate of hype? Yep. Coming up in this episode, a little podman, manifest v3, browsers, more browsers, and what do you know? More browsers. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. Hey, Leo. You know, since since we've been messing around with uh, CentOS here for the month, um, I decided to fully embrace that and, you know, kind of go in the Red Hat ecosystem. And I've, uh-huh. been, I've been giving Podman a whirl. Podman, Podman. This is the this is the like Red Hat Enterprisey overlay thing for Docker. It, 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 it's like a Docker drop-in replacement, if you will. Um, oh, so, so so okay. And and I will say what I've found so far is that is really true. It it feels pretty good, and and I've very few differences so far. Obviously, the name is different, and so you have to change your scripts and stuff, but I think it's come a long way in a short amount of time and it feels pretty complete. Of course, it's got the backing of Red Hat, so Right. So so you can do like a like a Podman run and a Podman pool and a Yep. And they have Podman uh, Compose now, which is fairly out. new. I um Okay. Yep. So you can you can build up and and it, and then the formats are the same. So like your YAML file that works as your your Docker compose can work as your Podman Compose thing. So Docker Compose won me over a while ago mm-hmm. because if if you were to liken it to a Linux distribution, it would be Nix. Sure. Because Docker Compose has all the instructions you need to set up a fully functioning set of, well, one or more containers in just what turns out to be just one simple YAML script. Yep. And I mean, it it sounds all complicated and stuff, but I mean, trust me, you can go and steal other people's Docker Compose scripts. Well, it's easier than having the big giant line of Podman yes. run or Docker run and all the, the things that go along with it, right? That's the thing that scared me away from Docker. I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that if I want to run a application that requires more than one piece, more than the application itself, right. like I need a database or something, this line is no joke. When you're SSH'd in there, there's going to be like four lines long. And I mean, there's 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 no spaces. And you yeah. got to start uh, on a lot of the Docker um, documentation. 
there's like the backslash yeah to to remind you that another hey, line yeah th- this is another line but it's actually just a continuation of the previous line right. it's it's like bash foo stuff right yeah it is um and it and it goes line by line by mm-hmm. line by line to make it readable which is what you end up doing in the in the in the docker compose right exactly but docker compose feels like it's it's a bit separate a bit apart it does um and and you can think about it and work your way through it and make connections and say I want storage here I want right. the application here I yep. want this thing here and there and there and and you're doing the same thing in the Docker command you but are it's just in compose a, it feels like it feels like Nix feels it like it's mm-hmm. it's declarative right like yep. this 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 anyway don't mean to sidetrack well you. because it's declarative it's reproducible and you know all of yes. those things right and that's the whole secret behind all that exactly so when all when my vm or my pi blows up no big deal setting a new one up is going to be i mean simple yeah. and then you just drop the compose file in there make sure all the directories are there yep do your pull and and away you go run yeah ah oh, updating is so easy anyway podman Feels pretty close to me so far. I've only messed around with a few things. It's on the laptop, so I'm really only kind of testing local-ish things, um, just to you know, just to give it give it a go. Um, mm-hmm. Now I've I've got a few more things that I want to try. So there's like a Podman desktop app, like there is Docker desktop, and I haven't I yet tried that um, just for giggles. Um, so that's on the list. Um, and you know, there's probably other things too that, that are unique, um, that I need to go try too, but. So what do you, what do you need a, a Docker or a Podman desktop app for that you couldn't do in like the command line? Is there a different focus for that? No, it's just a GUI. Oh. I mean, the idea oh, okay. is it presents all of that stuff in a GUI so you can have easy access, I think. Oh, okay. Um, well, cool. I like that. And, and, and manage all like, yeah, I think it lets you manage like your um, volumes and networks and all of that stuff. Cause that can get a little uh, wonky sometimes if you're doing it in, right. a, in a compose or on the command line. And that's where things like, even like Portainer, I don't know if you've ever messed with that one. Uh, um, that's the like web interface thing. It is a web interface thing. Yeah. And it can manage multiple different Docker or Podman instances. Right. It's an orchestration web interface kind of thing. And yeah. um, there's an API that, that can tie um, multiple, you know, so you can have multiple servers set up and stuff. That's yeah. the enterprise version of that. On a community version, you can manage your single instance, if you will. Um, but the GUI thing presents the networks and the volumes, and you can start and stop and restart oh. and all of those things. Right there, just by clicking on it in in the in the thing. I think so. The, the desktop app does the same sort of things, which is maybe kind of very handy um, for doing like exactly what I'm doing, testing things on my laptop locally before you go deploy something. Right, 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 right. Okay, so this is going to save you a whole lot of typing. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and if you're doing the trial and error thing to see, oh, do I want to yeah. ma- you know, map it to that port? Do I want to, where do I want to put my volumes and all that stuff? Um, yeah. yeah. So it saves you from having to docker up, docker down, docker yeah. up, docker down, docker yeah. up, docker can, down. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it gives you quick access to the uh, console too. Um, so if you needed to get into, into the container, um, it, it gives you the console access. Um, instead of having to do like Podman, IT, Bash, which would also get you in right. there. Right. 
um, you could do it right from this thing with a click or two. Yeah, that that was always kind of annoying about Docker to to get into the console of a container. Mm-hmm. Um, that my brain always broke on the way in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so having something where it's just you know click on the little CLI thing on it, and that is the the console for that yep. container, and you can run some commands and make some tweaks and whatever. Yeah, when you're messing um, around, that's the way to do it. That would help my brain, I think. So okay, all right, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so then the other thing I think is logs too. Logs, it probably has quick, easy access to the logs. True. Very true. So, you know, you want to see why, why is my thing not running? Uh, you got to go look at the logs. That's, uh, it's nice to be able to click on that and view it real quick. It'll be in there. Whether or not you can parse it, uh, but it'll be in there. (laughs) It'll at least tell you error and then you know it's gone wrong. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I I, I messed with, and I say messed with, I mean, that's given it way too much credit, but um, vanilla OS that we brought up um, a little while ago um, ends up using, uh, uh, what is the name of? Is that DistroBox? DistroBox. That's the name of it. Yes. So it uses DistroBox on the back end. And uses APX on the front end, right. but it's really all just Podman. And yeah. uh, when when I was trying to troubleshoot, um, Podman is exactly what I would use mm-hmm. to kind of um, like delete that container. Thinking maybe, yep. well, maybe clicking on that button was a bad idea, and that's why I need to. I'll start over. And um, it turned out that uh, when I clicked a button, I saw Podman kind of fly by, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that Dockery thing. Um, and then th- it kind of gave me the feeling that you're trying to describe, which is it's it's Docker for the most part. For the most part. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so so a Docker or a, a Podman RM kind of got me to the point where I wanted to go. So, yeah, I did like that. Um, Podman seems like it's going to be pretty cool. I like it does. that a lot. I, I'm excited about it. I don't know. I mean, I've, we've we've messed around with Docker stuff for a while, and I like that just fine. So... I mean, if it's feature parity, um, right. I'm good with Why that. Not? Yeah. Why not? If I could just Podman instead of Docker? Okay, okay. Yeah, exactly. So um, so I'm glad you've had a pretty good time with CentOS so far. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, as, <laughs> as we know, as we know, CentOS is one of those distros that, um, you know, you don't get seismic changes often. No, and it's not flashy. It's not no. flashy. It isn't. Um, but I like that, though. I kind of like that, right? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, Linux Mint is not flashy. It doesn't have a lot of that. So it is kind of my speed as far as let's not change much um, from version to version. Um, and, you know, let's not break things. So CentOS is very big on that kind of thing, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, but one of the things that I figured I would do because we're using it for a month is to get all of the apps that I normally use on it. All right, so the first thing that I install, of course, is Discord so that I can stay in touch with Dan and make sure that everything is going well. And, you know, so we know what's going to, what, what, what's coming. Right. And that worked just fine. But then I started adding more and more applications and ran into this issue that <laughs> I dug up and it, it seems to go back as far as about 2016 or 2017. Oh boy. Where you install an application. And in my case, it was both Flat Seal. And Audacity, Flat Seal, obviously for you know changing permissions of yeah. things, and Audacity for you know this My audio recording. Yeah, sure. Kind of got to do that, right? And when you launch them, the fonts aren't there, 
And if, uh, especially back in the day, if you remember what happens when a font is not there, all you get is boxes. Yeah, box. So, like, where it would have said Audacity, it just had uh, the right amount of boxes Oof. for letters in the word Audacity, right? So, so I mean, it was, you know, box, 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 Definitely box. not a usability uh, issue at all. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, and and everything, right? Like the timeline, all the numbers and seconds and everything, boxes, everything. Oddly enough, uh, the little counter down at the bottom, mm-hmm. the thing that tells you where you are in a particular recording, right. uh, that that worked. Okay, must be hard coded font thing. I suppose so. It's got to be like a WX widget thing or right. something, right? Right, like right? Where it's like that's that's a widget that's built in. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. But uh, so I, I I look over to flat seal, okay. So let me tell you the order I did it. I did it, I did Audacity first, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't read anything. <laughs> um, it's probably a fonts permission issue, right? Right. So, so yeah, I see where you're going with this. Right. So <laughs> I'm either gonna give it uh, permission to a directory, or I'm going to copy my fonts into a directory in my home folder and give it permission to that or something. I don't know. We're gonna figure Fair it enough. out, right? So. My my first thought was, all right, let's install Flat Seal and, <laughs> and mess with some permissions and get this working. Yeah, well, Flat Seal's behaving the same way. Boxes. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's like six apps on here. And they're, I mean, I know what they are by their icon, but everything else is boxes. And in Flat Seal, the permissions have uh, creeped up in amount. So, you know, I'm scrolling down the list of permissions and it's just boxes. <laughs> It's, it's nice to know where you're at. And it, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I knew that things were toggled on and off, but I didn't know what they were. So that kind of put a kink in my plan. Um, and I was like, do I want to dig down into the Flatpak command line and maybe try and figure this out and give it permission that way, which probably wouldn't be too terribly difficult, but it'd be Googling. Or should I spend my Google time on maybe there's a fix for this? What's wrong with my fonts? Yeah. And yeah. And they'll <laughs> just and and someone has already figured this out. Yeah, good chances. Actually, you know, seriously, you say it's like stable like that. I guess that's one of the things. Uh, the problems, they're kind of persistent. A little bit, a little bit, because um, the the discussions that I found were in the Fedora twenties. Oh wow, that is really far back. Wowie. Yeah, I saw some like so twenty eight, twenty nine, something like that, and then I saw a couple about thirty one and thirty two. Okay, well that's a little more recent. Yeah. Yeah, CentOS 9 is based on 34, so, you know, bugs not resolved up until that point will make it into CentOS. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And anyhow, um, so I'm pulling my hair out trying to figure it out because I don't I don't think anybody other than uh, the bug has been resolved. And yeah, I'm just sitting but... there looking at Audacity thinking, no, it has not. <laughs> so so I'm like, well, what do I do? Uh, I can't find anything about it. I don't know what my next step should be. And I'm like, wait a minute. What if I just change my fonts? Maybe, maybe it just has something to do with Cantorell. Yeah, the the font you have is not complete, kind of thing. Uh right. I mean, it it's you know, I don't know, but uh, I'm like, well, I don't know. What's a good, well known font? You know what? I don't even. I won't even do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to install one, a system font. And so I, I dig through, and uh, one that I can get along with is Google Noto. Yeah, Google Noto is good. Yeah, I install all those. Swapped it over, didn't even open an app. I was like, you know what? This is going to be a reboot kind of situation. So I reboot mm-hmm. and I open up a, uh, I open up a couple apps. Those are fine. I open up Audacity, looking good. Mm-hmm. Open up Flat Seal, also looking good. So nice. I have 
for all intents and purposes, solve the problem, change the font. So for some reason, Flatpak in CentOS 9, at least for me, uh, maybe maybe I need to reinstall or something, but um, does not see Cantorel, but will see Google Noto. Yeah, so sometimes there's like, huh. I don't know, different levels of fonts. There's like a, you know, a light, a medium, and a bold, and all that uh, maybe jazz. Maybe that's it. And so maybe it's missing one of those that those applications want to use, whatever that is. And um, so Cantorel just doesn't have that, maybe. I don't know. I'm guessing. That's the only thing yeah. I can think of. Yeah, what a weird, what a weird it little weird. situation. But it it has been resolved. I cannot go back to Cantorell, which is my my favorite font. Um, yeah, it fits in. Yeah, for quite a for quite a while, it's one of my. It's been one of my favorite fonts. So Google Noto, it is. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it works. <laughs> okay, all right, Google Noto. Well, I'll talk about booting up next time. If you haven't subbed on YouTube until vids, do it now while we have you distracted. And don't forget, you can watch us live on Twitch the day after an episode drops. Normally, if things are going as planned. So watch for the announcements in the social places. By the way, that is 7 p.m. Eastern Time, um, which is 6 p.m. Central Time? Central, uh, 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go beyond that. Time zones are hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think it's like around midnight UTC. It's got to be, right? Sure. Yeah, come join us there on Twitch live. Hey, I love our patrons, and I know Leo does as well. Uh, I almost can't keep up with all the new folks. we got some great things that we've <laughs> bantered about before in the pre-pre-show. Um, oh, so yeah. hopefully we can we can deliver on some of those things. But, you know, hey, we get you early access episodes. We get you high-quality audio episodes. Now we're pushing out video early. There's all sorts of great reasons to join Patreon. And if you want to do that, jump on over to patreon.com slash Linux user space. Okay. I'm going to say it. Okay. It's browser watch. Yeah, totally. Okay, so uh, you heard it. You heard it at the beginning of the show. It's gonna be of a bit of. It's gonna be a bit of a browser show. Browser centric. We start yeah. start digging into the browsers, and all of a sudden, everything's about browsers. I don't know how this happened, but uh, it started with Dan. <laughs> you brought in yeah. um, Firefox one hundred nine, which is just released not too long ago. It's, some people like the extensions little button up there that shows all your extensions, and some people do not. Yeah. Um. But then again, isn't that everything Firefox does? Right. You got half the people that are like, "It's fine," and the other half are like, "I'm deleting Firefox." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So that's kind of a neat little thing, I guess, that they've added, and it consolidates all of your extensions into one little button now, which is okie dokie, I guess. I I still have some of mine pinned out here. I like seeing uBlock Origin like oh, ticking yeah. up. Like it tells me which websites I need to avoid in general. Mm -hmm. When the number is like twenty, oh or yeah, hundred, uh, yeah, a thousand, that. and I'm like, nope, this site, nope, nope, nope. I'll only come here if I absolutely have to, right? Right, right, right. Um, but things like the multi-account containers, because you have you have ways yeah. of getting into those containers without ever touching the extension, right? That can go hide. Yeah, I don't need to see that. Yeah, the translate thing and your container tabs, um, they're colored coded and stuff. You don't need oh. to be seeing, you know that. 
Exactly. I love I love that. The color coding. Oh, man. Uh, I get off track way too often, but the color coding helps bring me back mm-hmm. to uh, to what's going on. So mm-hmm. I do yep. appreciate that. So half in, half out about that, uh, about the uh, extension thing. Yep. But uh, behind that, the Firefox, they, they decided to kind of toe the line, I guess, if you will. And it's probably a smart move. You can't you can't be creating everything all on your own. Uh what they decided to toe the line on was Manifest V3. Oh, I think I think I've complained about Manifest V3 on the show before. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have. Um, but hey, you know, you know, they'd already decided that path. I feel like a little bit when they uh, opted to keep Manifest V2. I don't know. Like I, 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 I think. Well, they get some of their funding from Google, so um, it's hard to you know resist some of the things that they push out. So, so my take on that one is a little different. I I know that the funding is there, and eh, well, you know, you yeah. If if you've listened to the show up to now, you know what I think about that. But I think in general, right? Um, Chrome and Chromium own the web. I mean, we're talking ninety yeah. percent of the web is Chrome or Chromium. Uh, everybody writes for Chromium. Everything is Chromium. Yeah. Um. So when Google says. Hey, we're writing. Uh, we're we're making some changes to the way that we implement extensions. Uh, and Firefox is like, I want extensions. Right. And Google's like, Hey, well, guess what? You can totally just use Manifest V3. We invented it. Uh, come on, come on over here. Yeah. And then every other browser that is not Chromium is like, We don't really want. And and of course, Google is like, But it doesn't matter. Come on over. Have some Manifest V3. It's great. Come on, come on. Mm-hmm. So. They announced this thing, um, and then immediately you had a lot of uh, extension makers come out and say, hey, this is, some of this stuff is not that good. Um, it's going to break the way that break, yeah. we do things. So The whole purpose of the extension in right. some ways, right? Like, yeah, we're going to break the whole purpose of what we made this extension for, almost. Right. So I feel like uh, Mozilla was between a rock and a hard place here, right? Um, it is. It is ignore Manifest V3. And just lose out on all of the extension compatibility. Yeah. Or adopt Manifest V3, but maintain the things that people are upset about losing. Yeah. That's about as middle of the road as you can it get. Is, it is about the, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. So I, I don't envy their position. Um, and I'm sure, and I'm sure, I'm sure there will be the folks that are like, look at them being in Google's pocket, just taking on Manifest V3. I would have done the same thing. I think it's it's hard to it's hard to fight against the five hundred pound gorilla. So I, I mean, I get their point, right? So what have we been talking about this whole time? Manifest what now? <laughs> a version what? Who now? What who? All right. So uh, come back in time with me a little bit. Uh, this is a history show after all. Uh, in twenty eighteen, Google proposed Manifest V three. It's a set of API changes and features coming to Chromium that'll affect all all extensions as they'll need to adapt to the new rules and API calls and everything else. Now, it is arguable, according to the EFF, it is (laughs) arguable that these rules make for a safer browsing experience for everyone. And in some ways they do. And in some ways that's, I, I think that may be going a little too far. However, part of the V3 proposal severely weakens the ability of content blockers Yep. Like you block origin and ghostery from performing their duties. On the other hand, 
It increases our ability to manage extensions by allowing per site permission. So this would be you want Bitwarden to work on this website. You don't want Bitwarden to work on this site. Manifest V3 makes that pretty easy, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah, that's a good thing. And Google claims it improves performance overall. However, <laughs> in July of 2019, the EFF notes that these changes, while somewhat effective, don't really get at the heart of the issue. Because Google made a big point about saying, these are for security reasons. The biggest reason we're doing this is to keep our users secure. Right. Hmm. Well, the EFF's case was two weeks prior to them writing this entire thing, Data Spy. Uh, this is a report that came out detailing immense, Im millions of people, uh, amounts of data leakage mm -hmm. by extensions. Oof. And none of Google's assurances detailing um, that they're working on it by alluding to Manifest V3 will change it. The extensions, even after Manifest V3, will still be able to do what Data Spy uncovered. So we're, we're talking an extension sees the web page that you go to, sees yep. the stuff that you're typing into that web page. The only thing that I think you could really argue under Manifest V3 that will prevent an extension from doing that is you physically actually clicking and checking a box that says, this extension cannot work on this website. That is it. That is the only one that I have seen. Yeah. So it's totally then, an opt out sort of thing. Uh, you you right. have to opt out. So the EFF goes on to note that the best we can get with the newly available API, API calls, as far as at least uh, content blockers and things goes, amount to a stripped down ad block plus. Not regular ad block plus, a stripped down version of ad block plus. Oof. Then in September of the same year, Firefox responded with the Manifest V3 announcement, noting that they would weigh what Manifest V3 is and adopt only the portions they agree with and that they would keep parts of the old system intact. And they have stayed true to that so far. To, to today, that still seems to be right. the case. Um, and, and they're specifically talking about, because there was huge fervor in 2019 when all of this stuff was really starting to be nailed down and people were really starting to figure out what Manifest V3 was actually going to do to the ecosystem at large. Firefox is really talking about a couple of bits, but mostly the ones that enable the uh, function of extensions like uBlock Origin and NoScript and <laughs> Ghostery and... Uh, I, keep, I keep bringing up uBlock Origin because it's one of my favorite It is one ones. of the best. It is really good. And Raymond Hill, the, the author of uBlock Origin, yeah. has more than one write-up on how specifically Manifest V3 will break content blockers. Yep. So in April 2020, it's not just extension, folks. Well, I guess it kind of is, right? In April 2020, Vivaldi, when they released version 3 of the browser, they debuted an add and tracker blocker. And I think from the outside looking in, everybody sees... Ah, cool. Vivaldi's got our, um, our, our tracking and ad blocking best interests at heart. But they specifically say the reason they did this was as a means to bypass the manifest V3 issues altogether. If you build it into the browser, if you build the content blocker right. into the browser itself, it bypasses the need 
for the web request API, yeah. which is what the extensions were using to block content. Yeah, they were. that's how they examined the page is, yeah, use that API call. Exactly. And Brave always had an ad blocker, but beefed it up in 2019. So you can see the writing on the wall. Everybody involved in these content blockers can see how it's going to go once Manifest V3 actually drops. In November 2020, Google finalizes and publishes Manifest V3, though the implementation timeline for dropping Manifest V2 support and picking up V3 support was now. Like, now, now. Right now. January 2023. However, the cutover was extended in 2022 to June of 2023. And then they did it again. <laughs> yeah, then they pushed it even further. <laughs> to January 2024. And it's no wonder. In December of 2021, the EFF reminded us that big parts of Manifest V3 still have huge bugs, yeah. breaking bugs that affect large amounts, not just content blockers. Not, not, not just content blocking, yeah. This kind of thing, the, the types of bugs that, that the EFF was describing affected pretty much the entire extension ecosystem at large. People like extensions. I, you would not believe the amount of people and the amount of extensions that I see on a daily basis. And yeah, I yeah, swear, yeah. it's like stuff the browser can already do. <laughs> sometimes, like, but sometimes it's not. I mean, you know, right? you just want to get new themes and some, you know, little, I don't know. And, and I get that. I totally get that, but you know, sometimes some of these extensions shouldn't actually exist. But that's kind of the problem, and that's what Data Spy, yeah, um, back in uh, in 2019. That's that's really what they were talking about. A lot of these extensions that people frivolously installed were spying on them. Yeah, and and how many times on this on this show do we talk about how um, the browser is? That's where you live most of the time, especially on the desktop, right? That's where you live. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, uh, things have largely stayed the same uh, since uh, since the start. Uh, well, since really, I guess the end of 2022 till about yeah. now. Um, the the dates have kind of come and gone. But again, the the new date is January 2024, and there was this big fervor um, mid uh, mid 2022 that we knew Manifest V3 was coming. We knew that the cutover was really January 2023, but uh, enterprise, so the enterprise long-term support Chromium customers mm -hmm. were going to uh, be able to take advantage of the extensions based on the Web Request API and a couple others um, uh, up until about June of 2023. Right, and uh, so that's where the June number came from, ah. and then they pushed it to the June number for everybody, for the public at large, and then they pushed it again. So, yeah. um, you know. It's obvious that Manifest V3 is not ready. It is obvious. But it does not seem like Google is going to reverse course. No, I don't think um, they're backing down. We, we saw them reverse course a little bit on Flock, but then they just reworked it. And uh, it, it was like, um, it, was, it was basically cohorts again. Mm -hmm. um, but, but with slightly more privacy. Uh, and I think everybody kind of ripped that one apart at the end of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, <laughs> um, I don't think they're backing down. I think Manifest V3 is coming. But... Here's here's my my plea, I guess, to you. Um, as I've said before, I said this before all the Manifest V3 stuff happened. Don't use Chrome. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. I've 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 uh, I've mentioned it before, right? I mean, I'm not saying to use Firefox. Uh, well, okay, maybe maybe I am saying that. Maybe well, do it's use okay Firefox, if you do. But but if you don't want to use Firefox and you're like, well, Chromium is faster. I I saw that Pharonix thing that came out last week and it said that Chrome was like 15% faster and like everything. And don't, okay, I see it. Yep, I get it. I see that. <laughs> so, you know, you want to stay on the Chromium ecosystem in general. That's okay. There are two browsers right now that I can point to yeah. and and you know, full-throatedly say they have your at least ad blocking and tracker blocking interests at heart. I agree with and, that. Yeah, Dan, you know of one of them. I, Did I, you I, use one of them? Yeah, I use them both actually. Oh, you've got on the Brave train. Yeah, I, I, okay. I do use Brave sometimes. Yeah, I think the only real other than not liking Brendan Ike, right? Um, the the only real uh, complaint I hear about Brave is that it's got that cryptocurrency stuff in it. Yeah, but you turn all that stuff off. Yeah, yeah, you you don't really ever deal with it. And then, but Vivaldi, and then Vivaldi's great. Yeah, the only thing I've ever heard about Vivaldi is that uh, it's the kitchen sink sink approach to it browsing. Is. Yeah, but again, same as Brave, just don't enable it. It it asks you at the very first run. You know, the quick start is is kind of easy to get you off to the races. You can and you can choose. Do you want the fully loaded or you know you got three different choices there. You know, from the the simple straight up just a, I want a web browser to I want everything. Yep. And so you have that choice when you first start it. And they're not joking about the everything. There's there's like oh, a mail client. I think it's there's called that. a note yeah. taker. Mm-hmm. There is Mastodon built in. There. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's web panels. Which is like like a browser to the side of your browser, right? Like it's it's a browser and a browser. Hey, it's the mail client, the news. It's got a mail client, newsreader, note taking. Oh, the newsreader thing, yeah. Um, yep. it does everything, and it, they they mean it. And where yep. do you want your tabs? Do you want them on the side? Do you want them on the top? Do you want them on the bottom? Uh, you know, all of those things. You get all those choices um, thrown at yep. you in a hurry, but. Um, as you adopt them, they're, they're sort of nice. I really like the tab management stuff and being able to stack your tabs. And especially for things like this show, when you're researching stuff, you can put all the like things in a stack and then Mm. uh, you want to go over here to this other, you know, tab, uh, your stack kind of collapses and gets out of your way and you don't have a big long thing of tabs, which is nice. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I do like the stacks. That is really cool. Stacks are cool. And tiling, tiling tabs is also pretty cool, especially for things like this show. So yep. I can put up our our show doc or notes and I can have a bunch of web pages um, in the other tile. And so I can, you know, take, you know, things from one to the other and make sure I get them accurate and stuff in the notes. You know, having having them both in front of my face is is pretty key. Yeah. Hey, I heard you like browsing, so I put a browser in your browser so you can browse while you browse. They 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 weren't kidding <laughs> when they said that. So I don't know. Enough side um, tangent on uh, how I love Vivaldi, but and the things I love of it. Yeah, I, um, I think when when you realize that it's it's kind of got applications that you use every day built into the browser, and you're already using the browser, it's it, it's not really that big of a deal to just instead of going to your operating system menu yeah. you go to the vivaldi uh side tab thing yeah 
and then just launch your stuff from there. It's already there. It's Half there. of those apps that you'd be using uh, have, are, are built on Electron anyway, so it's not like you're not launching Chromium. Right. Um, these seem to be the go-tos. I agree. Brave and Vivaldi. They are obviously going to keep up with Manifest V3 so that you can use the extensions that are going to be coming out for Chrome and Chromium. Um, you'll be able to take advantage of those without any kind of uh, having a sidestep or whatever, right. but you will also still have add and tracker blockers. Now, here's right. the cool thing about those. I know it's going to come up because the, the I, I think the the only oh, there's only one place um, besides news sites that like to try and get you to sign up to their newsletter six mm-hmm. times before you can get to an article and then they show you about three different videos that have nothing to do with the article. Yeah, at all. and they're loud. But the other thing is YouTube. Mm-hmm. Does it does it does it block YouTube ads? Uh, yeah, they actually both do. Yep, somewhat. That was that was actually pretty surprising to me, um, because historically they've not been great at doing that. It's a lot harder. Um, it is. It is. I mean, we're talking about an hour of YouTube, just and and I mean, I didn't even watch full videos most of the time. Uh, but you can see in that little yellow marker along the video that oh, then ads gonna come and ads gonna come or whatever. Yep. But I mean, I'm I'm talking an hour on each. I don't think I saw a single ad, not on the side, not in the video, unless it was the creator doing the ad themselves, which I yeah. think you can skip. Like some apps actually will skip that stuff, really? which is weird. Um, yeah, I think like uh, Vanced or whatever on Android okay. will okay. do that stuff. I mean, don't quote me on that. I, I think no, I that, heard I that just, one time. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it seems like Brave and Vivaldi are going to be the only ones that that fully support Manifest V3 that will also uh block pretty much all the things. Um but of course Firefox mm-hmm. yeah. you know how you know I can't finish this segment out without bringing it up. Um we'll also do that. They still got you covered. Because Gore Hill is uh or Raymond Hill is still going to be developing uBlock Origin, which hands down still That's my still, favorite compared compared to anything is still one of the best ad blocker, tracker blocker, everything blockers uh, that you can get your hands on. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. I actually use that on my phone too. Yep, you have options. They just happen to not be Chrome, Chromium, or Edge. Well, Edge does its own thing too. So uh, actually, the strict mode on Edge does block some of that stuff as well. It does. It does. But it ain't gonna block you a YouTube ad. <laughs> no, it doesn't do that. But Edge has its own problems. Um, those are different. Uh, yeah, not related to that. They are. They are. They, um, they that's not their priority, and I totally understand that. I, I, yeah, I will say, like it's Microsoft's uh, enterprise browser, which they're not going to try and block ads. Man, they have Bing. They they got a thing, yeah. so you know and, and they'll they, block some. They but. really push the Bing in the enterprise, honestly. Uh yeah, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't blame them, but it's not going to give you the the ad and tracker blocking on a Chromium the same way Brave and Vivaldi will. Hey, you want to catch the great topics as they unfold, jump on over to our subreddit or our news channel on Discord. You know all these Manifest V3 things we've been talking about this entire time? Guess what? Those news sources were there. Yep. They were yeah. there the whole time. And when Firefox 109 came out, they, we, we, we had a link to it that was, too. It was yeah. there too. It was also there. And the coverage probably from you know all the other popular news places we... Try to get that in there as well. So, 
Yep. It's all in there. And, and if you're looking for it, if you're looking for those places, they're just linuxuserspace.show slash Reddit or linuxuserspace.show slash Discord or, you know. I do wonder what linuxuserspace.show slash malware takes you to. Mm. Huh. Do you dare try it? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Well, we've got, you know, Telegram, Matrix, Mastodon, all those great things, too. Guess what? It's not Deja Vu. It's Browser Watch. Again. <laughs> because there's not, <laughs> enough, there's not enough Browser Watch in your life, man. I'm going to talk to you some more about browsers. But you're going to talk about your least favorite browser, Leo. I am. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> the, but they've done something so cool, I I can't not praise them for it. Yep, yep, yep. Chromium, a few weeks ago, rolled up to version 109. And in version 109, they seem to have fixed an issue that I complained about in Season 2, Episode 16. I don't know about you, but I still use a mouse, you know, because I don't think we've, we've like, there's no quantum computing answer. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's no quantum computing answer to a mouse yet uh, that we could just, like, move the mouse around with our brain or something. Uh, you know, chat GPT will get you there, but. Almost. Not quite yet. So I'm stuck with, on the desktop, and sometimes on a laptop, when I don't feel like two fingers scrolling in a re really awkward position, I'm stuck with the scroll wheel. Yeah. And I, as, as I assume, many other people are as well. So there was a long-standing bug. And uh, when I say long-standing, I mean it was first the earliest version of this bug that I could find. Um Issue 521211, Linux scroll speed is too slow. This is a bug filed in the Chromium bug tracker. And um, the, the person added a recording of how slow it was compared to, to Firefox at the time. Um, Firefox even sped it up after this point, which, right. oh, 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 Firefox is fine. Firefox doesn't have to change nothing. I like the way Firefox does it. So we're going to talk about another browser later, later, later. Oh, hey, that, whoa. That, that does scrolling fine. More browsers? Stop it! That's too many browsers, Dan. That's too like many. To browsers. Tease you, you can't you do know. that many browsers in an episode. You can't. So back and forth, um, all through August, all through twenty, the rest of twenty fifteen into twenty sixteen, and then the bug kind of fizzled out a little bit. No one could really figure anything about, uh, figure anything out about it. Uh, Chromium themselves marked it as won't fix. But even up until this point, there was plenty of evidence that it was not Linux itself because there were plenty of Linux workarounds yeah. to make it work. Right. Right. right, right. Using Linux to fix, fix an issue that Chromium was blaming on Linux. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. How about that? Anyhow. But uh, the, the bug picked up speed again in 2018. And same basic stuff. Yeah, Chromium reopened it for a little bit, closed it back down as won't fix. Then again in 2020 and 2021, picked up Steam again. And, and this time we got a little bit of feedback from Chromium saying, all right, we'll take another look. I just assumed, and this is about the time that I complained about it, episode 
uh, 16 season two. This is about the time because I was at the end of the rope where it was like, I just can't use Chromium on a desktop, Chromium anything on a desktop unless I'm on X where I can use I am wheel and speed it up just for Chromium based things. Right. So if Which I'm using crazy. Brave or, yeah. or Vivaldi or Edge, they all be actually every other thing that, that is based on Chromium though, too. Yeah, except and here's the kicker. Edge. Edge no. was halfway between Chromium and Firefox. It was different. I don't know why it was different, but it was definitely different. And you didn't hear anybody talking about how slow edge scrolling was. But then, but then, but then, at the end of 2021, this is after we had done our episode on yep. that, uh, another bug is filed. Now, this one doesn't even match what we're talking about. But uh, poor resize performance, mouse scroll performance, and UI incongruence on Wayland and Vanilla Gnome 40, 41, and Ubuntu. These are a bunch of issues. Yeah. And it turns out within the laundry list of actual real bugs that should be fixed, Dan, I'm going to give you one guess. What bug was nestled in the laundry list? Oh, it's got to be your scrolling problem. It was the scrolling. It was absolutely 100% the scrolling. And on November 9th, 2022, we get it will come in version 109. I think this can be closed now. <gasps> uh, Not just won't fix. It's closed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it took them, what, 2015 to 2023? Seven How many? Years. That's a lot of years. Yeah. That's, eight years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll give them, you know what, because it was like at the end of uh, 2015 and at the beginning of 20, I'll even say seven. seven? It took them seven, seven years. years to just acknowledge right. that it was an issue Eesh. and then finally fix it. I need, I, I, all last night, I minimized my Firefox, opened up Brave. Oh, it's so good. It's so good because I stayed away from Chromium browsers just in general in Linux because the scrolling was so bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I tend to use a mouse. And sometimes I'm on Wayland where I cannot install something like I am wheel to fix it. Right. So. But, but like electron based things are also impacted here too. No. Yes. Okay. So here's the breakdown. Brave and Edge beta. I did not check Edge stable, though Edge stable may also be included. Uh, both of those, obviously based on Chromium, have the 109 back end and seem to scroll better now. I, I mean, again, that's the browser I used right. all night right, right. last night in Brave. And the scrolling is not quite as snappy as Firefox. Firefox has this weird, like, acceleration thing. So when, yep. you, when you scroll, like, five or more clicks, like, the page is, like, really zooms a bit, uh, like, zooms upward, not bigger. Um and uh, Chromium has a bit of a smoother scroll to it. As long as it's going the right speed, I don't care, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Brave and Edge seem to have this uh, already added. Yeah. Vivaldi, as far as I can tell, is still based on 108. So they have a little work to do. I mean, all they really got to do is update to Chromium 109, which I suppose they'll probably do in the next. Yeah, that's coming. I'm sure that's coming in the next few weeks or something. Um, so Vivaldi will soon be there. But the kicker, the kicker, 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 is 
things like Discord and Element, where I do like to scroll because I scroll back sometimes to find feedback and things like that. Uh, the scrolling on that, there's no telling. There is no telling when the Electron yeah. base will be upgraded to match Chromium 109 or above, which would have this scrolling fix. Those things it. can languish for a while. Yeah, I get it. Oh, I don't know how many articles I've seen. Electron is so out of date and unsecure, but mm. people are still using it. I don't know. So uh, sure. that, that'll that be a while, I suppose. But uh, I guess Discord will it'll catch up eventually. But yeah. that day is not today. I will be happy that day. It'll just update one day and I'll scroll and I'll be like, oh, and I'll probably talk about it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, a fix to the web. As far as I'm concerned, um, okay, imagine yourself. It Honestly, it's pretty much 80% of the websites out there anymore. It's a lot. You go to a website. And you know what's funny is that uh, the website that really, really um, got me was uh, a Pokemon website. Ooh. I would go and I needed to look up a Pokemon to see what it, uh, like the specific types of advantage, disadvantage, and things like that. And I would go That's and fair. Then, uh, I would find my Pokemon and all of a sudden, boom, huge on the screen. It says, do you give consent for us to track you? No. And obviously <laughs> I'm like, no, but the website itself makes you click on the, the first button is let us have all of your data from now until forever. And the other button is check 6,000 different checkboxes and then maybe Ooh. we won't track you. And that's you gross. know they're still tracking you, right? Because there's that, always, the one that, that's toggled on, you can't toggle it off and it says always active. Always. And, and it's like, here's what we're going to do with this particular thing. And you're like, all of that is terrible, but okay. But, and, and so like the, the variety that these things come in, uh, you know, as far as uh, style, uh, really annoy me a lot because some Ugh. of them are like, not too bad, right? Down at the bottom, little bar, whatever, except, yeah, fine, whatever. But some of them are, like, halfway up the page, big, mm. and right in, like, get out of here. Like, I just <laughs> need to see this one little thing. I don't need, like, I, you don't, no, no, get out of here. And yep, so, yeah, those things is, are annoying. And and it's it's not, it's, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if these cookie consent banners questions whatever weren't so tricky mm -hmm. like every single time i see one i have to click ubuntu.com does this yep. i have to click into it yep. and then i have to go and like okay not that one not that one not i oh, can't turn that one off okay not that one not that one okay fine and then but you know later on they'll ask you again, again. probably because yeah. your cookies got you know trashed or something like that yeah or you're a different God. part and it's a different section and it's tracking differently i don't know yeah i get oh, you there's an entire google thing about that by the way maps.google.com mm -hmm. separate domain separate cookies now yeah. google.com slash maps yeah. Now, anything you agreed to on Google.com now works on Maps, works on Chat, works on Mail, works on everything. They knew what they did. But anyway, it's not about them. <laughs> well, it was about them, but it's not about them anymore. It's still about it's them. It's about the cookies, man. Yep. Anyhow, something that flew under my radar. I can't believe it. It should have been part of a browser watch months ago, but it wasn't. And that's my mistake. But I'm here to tell you now. Brave. 
the first time you hit a website that has a cookie consent banner on it is when it flies one of those in your face. And I was immediately, as I was already mad. I was like, why would you di-? And then I read it. And I was like, oh, wait, do you, what? You said get rid of them all? Like forever? And then I clicked, yeah. And then I went to all the websites I knew that had made me mad in the past. No cookie consent banner. Yeah. It's just baked in to the browser. All you got to do is click yeah when it asks. That's it. And, it, and if you don't, it's, it's a couple clicks and settings. It's kind of convoluted, but um, they've, they've got a blog post on it and everything. But the, the thing is, it'll ask you, do you hate these things? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. I totally do. Click yeah, and they're gone forever. Well, but Leo, you know why you didn't really realize it and forgot about it? It's because you stopped seeing those. <sighs> yeah. You know, and this, this is my problem with the web, is I never minded ads. I never yep. minded them. It's when they started flashing at me, yeah. making noise, getting in my face, covering up what I wanted to see. And not only that, giving you malware. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And crypto, mm. crypto was a thing for a while. People were oh, like yeah. mining you through ads and stuff. Like, yeah, yes. no, like I think people do need support. I don't, you know, and I understand why you turn to the advertisements because sometimes you want to recommend or not necessarily recommend, you want like, products recommended that might go along with the thing that you're doing. And so that makes sense. At least you have a like-minded ad. It all kind of gels together. But when you get annoying and in your face, uh, you've gone too far. Yeah, no, no. Do not yell at me, yeah. video player. Exactly. Don't do that. Yeah. So, you know, ever since then, I mean, and we're talking like late 90s here, man. I had wished for a content blocker of some kind. And then when they came out, in the mid 2000s, I was like, yep, yep, sign never going to go on the web ever again without ever having one of these. Yeah, absolutely. And then Ublock Origin came out and was just, just yeah, clean, my unicorn. Cleaned all that junk up. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I've never gone away since. And then, you know, enjoying the web without a content blocker is almost impossible. Um, so I'm so glad they're there. And I mean, I really will. Like websites that I know that just don't get in my face, I'll let them in because. Why not? They're not bothering right. me. They're right over there. And yeah, maybe, maybe I'll click on them. Okay, here's my secret. Sometimes I just click on them. I don't actually do anything on them or anything. I just click on the ad and I'm like, I hope that gave you a nickel, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So back over in Firefox land, um, if you've got uBlock Origin, you can enable AdGuard's annoyances list mm -hmm. and that'll filter them out as well. But I, I just I, I just can't sing the praises of Brave enough because it's just it's just Yeah. Yep. Never want to see him again. And then you never see him again. Yep. It is amazing. Honestly, it was one of the things that I think that uh dragged me to use more Brave. Mm. Uh, um is is that uh, because that was it was getting annoying. I, I don't mind yep. like okay, you want to tell me that you're you're you got cookies and you're tracking. That's cool. Um but maybe don't get like quite so aggressive about it yeah yeah i mean honestly it wouldn't be so bad i don't think I, I, I originally i didn't really hate the cookie thing too much because i think most people gave you a yeah it's cool no it's not mm -hmm. and that was yep. it like if they left it at that that would probably be okay I, that would probably still fly under my radar of not too intrusive exactly but but they didn't do that no they, it got worse. they started adding toggles Yep. And when it takes me more than three seconds to figure out what I want to choose on your website about what, I don't want you to track me at all. 
But when I have to like make compromises in your choice list, man, we've gone way too far. Exactly. That's straight annoying. Not only am I not going to let you track me, I'm going to turn that off. And uh, I, yep, I just wish I agree. the web weren't quite that way. But, ah, uh, you know, it is what it is. And thankfully, Brave, Vivaldi, Firefox Plus extensions exist uh, that let us kind of sidestep a lot of that. You want to have a topic covered or have some feedback? Send us an email. Contact at linuxuserspace.show. So we got a little feedback. Well, actually, we got a little feedback about feeding back, like, I guess. Like feed, yeah, feedback, feedback. <laughs> I think that it's like double feedback. So Johnny did us a, a total solid. Uh, this is aromatic dev, not a romantic dev. Not a romantic dev. There's, there's, there's no... There's no romance in development. <laughs> None. That is true. Only pain. He he uh, added a message to the Linux Gamecast wishlist purchase, and he had them shout out to us on on the show, which was was really cool. And it, it like it's a great show anyway. So, um, but you know, maybe the not safe for workplace. Uh, you know, yeah, lang- language a- warning, but. Yeah, you get a you get a f you get a f bomber too. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but those guys are great, and they're a lot of fun, and they they cover a lot of games and 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 stuff. So if you're into Linux and gaming, um, do do listen to them. I think we plugged them a while back. Um, at least they did their Linux Weekly Daily Wednesday. I had to think about yes. that one for a minute. Lots of track mania involved. Uh, um, yeah. And so those guys are uh, super fun. Great, great network over there. Um, so thanks for the shout back from the shout, I think. So I, I, I just want to take a quick sec and kind of explain how this works because I've got ideas now. Um, okay, so the way that they do this is um, they will put together an Amazon wish list. And, you know, it, it, is, it is the last time I looked at it. It is a wish list. I mean, there, there's some pretty expensive things on there. But sometimes... When a cable breaks or you just find out you need one or whatever, yep. throw it on a then we'll throw on like a HDMI cable, right? Yep. For eight bucks. And you buy that and it goes to them and yep, they'll the utilize that for the show. But it turns out that whatever you put in the comment section of the gift, they'll just read it. They read it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so now, now I've got ideas. It I'm may waiting. have inspired us to do something. Listen, if you see on a wish list, on their wish list, something HDMI cable-ish priced, you need to let me know because um, Linux user space might be showing up in more places than one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thanks, Johnny. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the shout. Appreciate supporting their show. And, uh, and thanks to Linux Gamecast for actually reading the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome. They didn't I love actually it. have to read that, but they read that, and I appreciate they that. Read, they read everything, apparently, so that's cool. All right, you got another little smaller topic here. Kid 3 turns 20. Now, this is an application um, that we hawked a while back. I forget which episode, but I'll dig it up. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem like a huge thing, I guess, Like you know, but like 20 years for a software package. Any is- software. Is a really, really long time. And I know this application is like unique and niche, but um, it does a thing and it does it very well. And 
and it does it for this show, not it, just not just a thing, but it oh, does a thing for this show every episode. Every every episode, and and I, it's still active development. So yeah, I totally use this on every audio um, thing that I upload to Fireside. I put our our metadata in 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 the MP3, and uh, I use it every time. So it, it's it's a big thing, and I wanna I wanna take a, a moment and recognize that twenty years twenty years for a piece of software that's still in use, and it's mostly the same. Well, let me double recognize it. You said you were gonna look up uh, the episode that it was on. Oh, there I we already go. Did that? Oh, Leo. It is uh, episode fourteen, season two. Carry on, my Wayland son. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Sometimes, man. Sometimes we have good ones. <laughs> And that was one of the good ones. Um, we also shouted out the Linux experiment on that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the way they, the Kid 3 group celebrated their 20th uh, birthday, they released a new release. You know, so version 3.9.3 wow. was the way that they got to celebrate. So, yeah, another small topic that really kind of didn't fit anywhere else, but... Um, uh, Dan from the Manjaro Arm Project, uh, we were kind of back and forthing in the Matrix room, and you know, we were talking about QR codes, and I think they're really neat, um, and I see them showing up more and more often, and I mean, it's really pretty easy to just, mm -hmm. you know, almost take a picture of them and then, you know, do your thing. Um, and he noted that there is a project or a, um, a command that you can use, QRN code, that will create you a QR code. And uh, I, I, it is actually on uh, in the CentOS repos. Nice. So like, uh, so just a quick DNF install, QR encode, or it seemed to me, uh, I did a, by the way, if you ever want to know where, if, if a package is packaged by your distribution, pkgs.org. Oh yeah. Go there. Uh, because, uh, well, number one, they need your support, but also number two, it'll just tell you, I mean, um, it's got everything. So typed in QR encode turns out, uh, Slack or has it, Ubuntu has it, everybody has it. It's just, it's, this is a, this it's is a very prolific. Yeah. And it's been around for quite a long time in the mid two thousands cool. is when it, uh, when really? it originally showed up. But anyway, it's actually pretty simple. So it's QR encode. You choose the level. Uh, and then you choose the output file name, whatever you want that to be. And then you choose what you want the QR code to actually say. Um, and in our case, or at least the very first one that I did was HTTPS colon slash slash Linux user space dot show. No, this is not another housekeeping <laughs> section. It just happens to be that really was the first thing I typed in there. Well, of course. Um, and this camera can see it. I don't know if this camera can see it, but there-ish. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see it. I'm pointing at it. I think there's probably glare. You probably can't see it or whatever. But yeah. there's a, the QR code's actually on, on uh, the screen nice. behind me because that's where I created it. It was actually really easy to do. I was kind of surprised. And it turns out you can like tweak it to be like bigger and more mm -hmm. complex or smaller and just very okay. Relaxed for a QR code is kind of you know it's going a little far. Right. Uh, it's static, man. That looks like a TV. That isn't on the wrong channel. Oh, me. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I That's thought cool. I would look in a little further 
and see, oh, okay, well, maybe there's like a GUI one or something, just some other app, right? So first thing I do is um, hit up uh, the old DuckDuckGo, right? There's got to be a better word for search than DuckDuckGo it. Can't say DDG it. It doesn't make it. Anyway, whatever. Not the topic. Topic is QR codes. So I go to DuckDuckGo and I search for QR code like application. I forget what I what I uh, had searched. And then DuckDuckGo is like, all right, here's a QR code for the word application. <laughs> you requested. There it is. <laughs> oh, that is that is some. Yeah. Yeah. That is some meta stuff. So I yep. was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me DuckDuckGo just make. And yes, the answer is yes. If you want a QR code, you literally just type in QR space code space whatever the thing and it'll make you a QR QR code just for that and I don't know because I'm the most unoriginal guy <laughs> ever uh, I did https colon slash slash linux user space dot show and you know what they both work nice <laughs> QRN code duck duck go they both work um, so yeah if you're a command line junkie QRN code if you are not just use DuckDuckGo. I suppose Google will probably do it for you. Maybe Brave too. Thought it was super neat. You might, you may or may not just start seeing QR codes pop up everywhere Places. now. Yeah. Because I can make them say whatever I want. Yeah, we could we could send it to places. Mm -hmm. The the one thing I I can't do now is I've seen some really cool QR codes. They're they're like pictures, mm -hmm. but then like integrated into the picture or even as part of the QR code. Um, it's like got some cool, really artistic stuff. And for some reason I've got into pixel art. Um, so maybe there might be like some kind of weird crossover okay, okay. going to happen. Ooh, ooh, I'm excited for that. All right. First of the focus. Yeah. Number one. So this one's a little different this time. Uh, I want to, I want to shout out to the Asus notebook Linux community. So mm -hmm. it's a slightly different thing. But this group is is doing some big things. What they're doing is providing like hardware tools and fixes for the Asus notebook community, kind of bringing them as a first class citizen into Linux. I would say maybe while on a smaller scale, it's it's akin to like what the Asahi team is doing in a way mm -hmm. for the for the Mac M1 and M2 stuff. So. Uh, My first thought was like bringing together stuff like framework uh, yep. was doing as a you know building communities and all this kind of stuff around it. But I think you're right. I think you're you're closer with the Asahi thing. Yeah. So I mean, they're taking something and they're kind of doing a little bit of reverse engineering and uh, bringing some tools along with it. Um, and so I don't have an Asus laptop yet uh, that I can uh, test this with, but the the stuff looks just absolutely amazing that they're doing and i can see why some of these things are pain points uh in particular um with linux that you would you know normally have obviously under windows because that's where the thing is you know made for um so i'm 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 really really kind of excited about it i know i i might be i, I might be in line to inherit one of these uh, uh -oh. some, some somewhat soon ish maybe potentially uh, so. oh How, okay so give me give me a vintage just just ballpark um it. vintage of the machine i don't know i want to say like 6 gen i5 
maybe. Okay, that's so it's not that's really not too, new, uh, Was that like 2016-ish? Yeah, maybe 2017. Um, okay. But a nice little machine. Got the touch screen in addition, too, so um, that's pretty slick, too. Anyway. I dig it. I haven't inherited that yet, but I may be in line for that. So that's another thing that, that got me kind of excited. You know, how well does Linux play on the thing? Well, apparently with some of these tools, it plays a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty key. They have all their stuff so, over on GitLab. You can check it out over there. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes for sure. And I do want to uh, I do want to say a quick shout out to Christoph for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. Um, because I've seen... In community after community, hey, I've got this one Asus this or that, and uh, this is broken on it. Yep, this is the community you need to join to get all your stuff yes, to work. Yes, it is. And so things like, I, I mean, the tools, they bring great things like, you know, RGB keyboard control. Yes. Fan control. Fan so, control. So, That's so, my favorite. Yeah, the yeah. fan control. And, and charge control. Like, I mean... I feel like, yeah, charging your thing, you know, appropriately is pretty important. Um, this is this is something I have on my framework where you can actually tell it the maximum charge right. that your battery should hit. Mm-hmm. And I set my laptop at 50% because most of the time it's sitting here on a charger docked. Right. So not bringing it up to 100 and keeping it there. You know, uh, losing your battery. some of that. Yeah, yeah, losing <laughs> that longevity. Right. If if a lithium ion battery is at a hundred percent or zero percent for long amounts of time, you are killing the longevity of your battery. So right in the middle. Yeah. It's about as yeah. You get well, that. Okay, you know, I, I, probably forty to seventy percent range is probably right where you want to be. And and so like it'll it'll feed you notifications and stuff too about your hardware. Like you know probably when things fail and not working or. You know, all sorts of stuff. So yep. do check them out if you have an Asus laptop. Um, I, I I was just kind of blown away at the the magnitude that they they are able to cover with the stuff they have. Kind um, of impressive. It is. Some good reverse engineering right there. It's time for the other focus. You ready? Focus. I am Number focused. Two. I'm looking at my web browser, Number Leo. Two. Why are you looking at a web browser? Damn. That's all I do. Is it because I'm going to talk about a web browser? Maybe. <laughs> I told you. I told you it was going to be a lot of web. You thought we couldn't do it. Okay, I thought we couldn't do it. We did a but, whole show um, on it. I, I did it anyway. Yeah, we did. Uh, I, just, I just put more browsers in there. Um, this is Browser Watch Part 3. <laughs> <laughs> so before I get into it, I really kind of wanted to like ask a little question. Um, I'm probably going to do it anyway. But we talk a lot about Firefox. Well, I talk a lot about Firefox, like a lot about Firefox. And yep. We also talk about Brave and Vivaldi and sometimes yep. Edge. And yep. I mean, because of all that, we talk about Chromium and Chrome as well. But what we don't talk about is Gnome Web and Falcon. But, That's true. But lots of stuff is happening in, both in of them. the Gnome Web yeah. and Falcon ecosystems. And before the show, Dan and I were talking about GNOME Web just in general and whether or not we thought it was kind of daily driverable. And I think at this point, um, and, and probably for longer than, than now, um, but I think the answer to GNOME Web is yeah. Because I know a few months ago we had tried GNOME Web or we had messed with it. I forgot what we did it for. Yeah. Um, but I was messing around with GNOME Web 
And when you got onto some really JavaScript heavy sites, um, it really started to to it started chugging. Yeah. Like, yeah this is not a smooth scroll. This right, is right. Um, it's just not a very good experience. But And you say smooth scroll. That is like one of the best features of GNOME Web that I've found mm. is the smooth mm. scrolling. It is just fantastic. So anyway, this app focuses about GNOME Web. And it's a double feature. It's a double header. Double header. Tangram. Tangram just came out with version two, which is it, why it came up on my radar. Yeah. But GNOME Web, um, back in September twenty, uh, back in September of twenty twenty two, was released with version forty three of GNOME, and with that came a feature that many folks, especially in the Linux community, lamented. That Firefox lost. Yeah. GNOME Web gained PWAs. Right. So, and I'm not I'm not talking like the the limited set that you get with um with with some of the other Chromium based browsers. I'm talking any website you want to be, you could just click install. But GNOME Web also creates you a desktop file so that it integrates in with your menu. Nice. If GNOME Web works well with whatever website you're trying to do. It solves the PWA problem. Yeah, that's good. And because I wanted to test out the PWA thing, I also started using a little bit of GNOME Web as well Mm -hmm. and got onto uh, YouTube, which was surprisingly good. Good. That was one of the ones that really struggled, I feel like. Yes. Well, yeah, it was, I think it was like Reddit and YouTube. Anytime like videos showed up on Reddit, Mm -hmm. like, like new Reddit, not old Reddit. Old Reddit was fine. New Reddit is terrible. Yeah, yeah. So when you're scrolling or whatever, because it's endless um, and JavaScript heavy, like GNOME Web would start to chug and choke a little you. bit. It's doing, a, it's doing a whole lot better now. Good. Um, but the thing that surprised me about YouTube was that um, it didn't fully remove the ads, but okay. you just didn't see them. It like turned, the, the screen turned white. Oh. Yeah. And you could click the skip ad button, but you never actually saw the ad, which was okay. Um, click the thing, chugged for a sec, and then the video played. And nice. crank that bad boy up to 1080p, 60 frames, smooth as butter. Good. I am very impressed with how far GNOME Web has come. Okay. And just the little sleeper feature with PWAs that now I can uh, I can just ins- install whatever i mean about as good as electron right yeah. i mean and there it goes all right you got me intrigued leo i i think i need you to try it again i, just, I need to just... try it again it's been a few months it has been a few months that i that i've strayed away um and i'm not tried it in a while so um you got me intrigued it sounds like i need to test it again it it has um as i mentioned it has a built-in ad blocker it's got a built-in uh That's tracker impressive. blocker it is and i think um just in general uh, especially for a pre-built-in. I mean, I think most distros mm-hmm. that come with GNOME come with GNOME Web. Right. Um, it, it's. I think it's something that you can rely on more and more, especially now that some of these really cool features that other browsers have had for a while are starting to make their way right. into GNOME Web. You know, we might have a Safari situation here okay. pretty soon well. where you, you don't need to go get another browser. Um, but you know, for one reason or another, you can, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's GNOME Web is really, really shaping up to be that. Well, that's cool. So switching gears, but not really. 
Um, because we're on the topic of PWAs. Uh, Tangram. Okay, so Tangram is really just a front end for GNOME Web that allows you to do. Uh, I guess you could call it like we know of these things like as as pinned tabs mm-hmm. in like Chrome and yeah, Firefox yeah. and everything else, right? So Tangram is basically a front end for that. So things that you need to have open all of the time, but um, like want to keep separate from GNOME Web, uh, that's that's what Tangram is for. Okay. So they've got the side tabs uh, down the left-hand side. Um, you add them as you want them. Like you go to Twitter. And the cool thing about uh, Tangram uh, and a feature of GNOME Web PWAs is that they are all sandboxed and isolated away from each other. So when oh, you go to... Nice. Like like in GNOME Web, you install the Gmail app or something like that. That's sandboxed away. You could do another one and then log into it. But Tangram will do the same thing for okay. you, which is really cool. If you're like me and have more than one Google inbox, don't ask me why. Well, not just that. Like, I mean, we've got, you know, different Mastodon accounts, different Twitter uh, accounts, like all of those exactly. things. You know, one exactly. for you, one for the show, one for, you know, terminal tricks. Like, you, you got, you got it all, here, right? Twitter there, and Instagram here, and a whatever. Y- yeah. yeah. So th- this is where Tangram is really going to shine. Cool. You've got that list of things. And and um, most of your pinned tabs are just an icon. But the cool mm-hmm. thing about Tangram is that you can actually title them what you want. Okay. So I can say Leo's Twitter and Lus's Twitter and, you know, and just go down the line. So I know exactly. That's the one thing that gets me about pin tabs is that uh, Firefox helps me with this because they're in the multi-container thing. So they're yep. colored. You know the color. Yeah. Right. Right. But if I didn't have the color, there would be no telling. Yeah. Like, which one's Those are which? two Twitter icons. I yes. don't know which is which. And it's going to be annoying to have to click through both to figure out which is which. Mm-hmm. So cool. I think... Gnome Web plus Tangram is a uh, a super pair of getting around the web and keeping things that you want in the forefront without distracting yourself too terribly much with what's going on in the background. Nice. So definitely. Go check them out. All right, Leo, that brings us to the bottom. And next time. We're done. Oh, man, I got like a whole three more hours in me, man. Uh... No, no, I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) So next time, the history of CentOS. Add a few thoughts and whatever else we can cram in there. But I I came to a realization here. We're talking about CentOS. We're only going to have two distros uh, this season after CentOS. (gasps) When you think about it. That is right. Yeah, because CentOS will be 16. Yeah. So then we'll have another one drop in eight, episode 18. And then one and in And then 20. the season finale. So, I mean, hang tight. It's going to get exciting here the last, I mean, we're only going to have, you know, three more distro history things. And then we'll. And then we break. And then we'll be onto the curry. Anyway. So stay tuned for those for sure. It's, it's sure to be exciting. Uh, in between shows, you can catch us on Twitter, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Discord, whatever. Give us your suggestions on our subreddit or email. You know, give us give us some ideas. We love them. Um, all the links and show notes are on linuxuserspace.show. So, Leo, where can we find you? 
Uh, you can find me at the old Twitters at Leo Chavez or on the old Mastodon at Leo Chavez at Mastodon.social. And you can find me at KC2BEZ on Twitter and at KC2BEZ at Mastodon.social. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. Bye. See ya. And that's what kind of got me to the point where I'm like, well, maybe we need to start checking out Falcon 2. I, I do have Falcon installed. Mm. So. Um, and um, I'll say, though, so some things about Falcon. Falcon's got some ad blocking thingy mm-hmm. built in, too. Yeah. Um, another thing is, like, you can set up that, uh, like, like in Vivaldi, where you've got all your little, little, uh, you know, start page things where all your your pages oh, are the, on um, uh, what are they bookmarks call basically but not yeah, quite but, like yeah. it's your quick start launch yeah thing you can do the same thing in, in falcon there's going to be a time where we do a browser watch and it won't have either firefox or a chromium in it it's going to be like it's going to be a gnome web falcon browser watch just watch it, mm-hmm. it'll happen and i just kept thinking that to myself uh so I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna follow them closer. Yeah, and and bring them in as uh, I mean as anything interesting really happens.